Can I have everybody's attention? I know that some scumbag in here knows one of the guys who murdered my wife. His name's Cirque Brantners. You thought I was an invalid, but you didn't know that I'm a fucking ninja. <laughs> Alright everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Midweek Matinee. We are discussing the movie Upgrade by a guy that I'm gonna like butcher his name I feel like. Lee Winnell? That is exactly how you pronounce his name, right? Is it really? Yeah, Lee Winnell. Okay, cool. Well, brought to you by Lee Winnell. <laughs> Great job. It's a, thank you. I tried. I've been practicing that actually. But it's a I 2018 cyber punk-ish science fiction film cyberpunk-ish I would argue that the whole I would would argue the whole movie is cyberpunk that's kind of the point (laughs) yeah more cyberpunk than cyberpunk 2077 is I haven't played that game so I do want to talk about that game later though in like relation to the movie I guess Um, but so this was not my first time watching it. I'd seen it once before, about two months ago, I guess. But Chris, was <clears throat> yes. this your first time seeing it? And how it was did you my, like it? It was my first time seeing it. It was good. I, I liked it. It was, it was it was entertaining. Okay. What about you, Brett? First time, how'd you like it? Yeah, first time. I remember seeing the trailer way back in the day, and then kind of you bringing it up kind of made all of that kind of like, oh, yeah. But... Uh, I really I did enjoy it. I mean, I was kind of poking fun at the movie the whole time, and I think that that's a kind of a good thing. The movie kind of gives itself room for you to just watch it and still be fully engaged with what's going on, but still have the lateral like you know lateral movement to talk to someone for a split second and not feel like you're missing huge things. Uh, but I really I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I went into it before. I'm not a gigantic science fiction fan when it comes to like movies and books and stuff but i do enjoy quite a few of them as well so i figured like oh i watched it after i watched invisible man too so that helped because i really like the action scenes in invisible man Mm -hmm. and everyone's saying is this the same director yeah yeah same director and everyone was like hey if you like those scenes you'll like upgrade because that's the whole movie and i was like all right cool (laughs) so i went and watched it and it's pretty much the whole movie and i fucking love this movie yeah, it's very fun to watch. I mean, like, I of course, it's just one of those things where when you walk into the room, you don't feel so immediately confused as you do with others because there's just enough happening on screen that's just interesting in the moment that you don't concern yourself too much with what's going on. And you're more like, well, there's clearly a guy who's being controlled by something that's right. not himself, and he's doing some cool shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that You know, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, is just how, like, his body movement changed. Like, even throughout. Like, it didn't just change, oh, he had the surgery, and now he moves different. It's, like, progressed differently throughout. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting concept. Yeah, I really like that, too. And it's odd that we're talking about this movie right off the back of Enemy, where we were kind of talking about Enemy being a situation where you saw the same actor, but you kind of knew who was who based off of body movement and body language. And while it's, of course, a different take and a different idea that was kind of true here it was like when you were watching even if no one told you it's like you can see when it's him being naturally moved by his own volition and then when it's clearly you know being assisted by this super agent inside of his body yeah 
Uh, you know, if the first time he gets home and he gets like out of the wheelchair and is like pouring himself a drink and stuff, huh? Just the way he's like slightly robotic looking, almost yeah, like so- it's stop motion or something. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. something about his posture too, where even when it's being given off to you as it being him and his own choice, it's almost like there's something unhuman about his movement even even if it's more human than like when we see in the long run what it looks like when the when stem is in full control but there's still this just move there's a bounciness to his movement and this kind of interesting like it's a bounciness but it's also like so precise that it looks like his legs move with such a like oh it was almost like instruction saying walk here walk (laughs) here you know yeah what do you think, Chris? You haven't chimed in yet. No, I mean that was definitely uh, interesting to see. Like you would, I think the best example is the first fight scene with uh, Stank or whatever. I can't yeah. remember <laughs> the guy's name. It was Stank. A, <laughs> We're gonna call him Stank for the rest of this. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Uh, yeah, when we're Cirque, uh, <laughs> sure. Stank when Stank, um, Stank and him Stank. are fighting in his body is doing all like the badass ninja stuff and his face is just like what the fuck is going on oh my god yeah i, I really liked that like you could really see it and that's that scene for sure yeah so i think now is the time to go ahead and get this out of the way because it just cracked me up and i also just this is what i it, it's partially that i really feel this way but not necessarily to a bad extent but also just me poking fun at it the, the very first note that i took and i even said it i think last week on the show is that i feel like there's a lot in common with uh tom hardy's venom and with this movie because oh, like yeah. definitely the scene where you see the symbiote kind of start taking over eddie for the first time the fight scene whenever the guys are coming in remind me so much of the first fight scene in this movie when we see stem take control where it's like you're seeing all these unnatural body movements and the camera's kind of flying and whipping around our central person and you're seeing these crazy things happen and the main character is just kind of freaking out like whoa yeah. what's going on here <laughs> But my actual note, just because I think it's funny, is a lot in common with Venom, uh, with Venom, intelligent being, controlling his actions at times, dark mood, great value, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. He's very I mean, much that, a knockoff Tom Hardy. That's the thing is this movie and Venom to me are the same movie. Like, they, dude, they feel so similar. I can it, see that. To the it's point been a while where since I've seen it, though. This guy is like, yeah, I think, what did I call? I called the freaking Zencaster group Dollar Store Venom. Like, that's what this movie <laughs> felt like to me. I didn't not, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it looked like, to me, it was kind of in a way like a student film trying to do a Venom movie. That's how it felt to me, even to the point where they're like, oh, here's almost Tom Hardy and, you know, that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, what was weird about it is that I kind of agree in that sense whenever it was feeling like it was so in common with Venom. And then there were some moments where I'm like, they're trying to be a little bit more like artsy with it or at least more like in some ways trying to find their own visual language within it and like the excessive use of like a red color palette and whatnot to kind of pull into its thing it's it does some of its own things and crazily enough as much as i really enjoyed venom i actually think i like this movie more than venom by the time it finally wraps up i didn't feel that way until the end of the movie finally actually kind of I don't want to say it completely got me, but it did kind of pull one over, I think, on most viewers. But we can talk about that once we get into really talking about the story. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen Venom. So I, I didn't I didn't even think of that movie while watching this. But now that y'all mention it, I can see that for sure. Especially with it's, it just being like 
a Tom Hardy lookalike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, think that's that, that didn't thing. hurt. You know, that didn't help that fact. I mean, my wife walked in and she said something and I mistook who she was talking about. I thought she was talking about Gray and she said something and I was like, oh yeah, you mean uh, Great Value Tom Hardy? And she kind of gave me a weird look like, what? And then later she was like, oh, I was talking about that other guy. And then she looked at him <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that looks like Tom Hardy though, right? She goes, eh, I don't know. And I immediately searched tom hardy venom and the first picture is him in the apartment <laughs> and i looked I, I turned the phone towards her and she goes oh <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like the wardrobe was the same and i don't even yeah. know when venom came out at this point i think it was also a 2018 movie right i think it was Maybe. yeah it was 2018 yeah see so it's funny these came out just around the same time yeah yep. so there's no way it was like so much of a copy or something but it is interesting sometimes how movies do that yeah where it feels yeah. like but then to find out that it came out the same year that's pretty wild yeah sure but yeah that fight scene i do want to talk about that for a little bit because that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie it's just like how much ass he's kicking while like you said chris just looking awkward as fuck <laughs> <In the> th- <laughs> yeah because I, I i think what's funny about his face is he's reacting as if he's watching the fight you know yeah which i guess he is technically but yeah, it's almost like he's standing in another room watching it, like, holy shit, that dude's right. kicking oh. ass. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wait, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's kicking all that ass, bro? <laughs> oh, shit, it's me. The fucking knife, too, just into his mouth. Yeah, oh, that was, dude, that was just uh, fucking brutal. Painful. Yeah, that's actually one big advantage over Venom here is that Venom was still trying to remain somewhat reasonable to sell to the biggest audience as possible. Where this movie was like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna show a head being cut in half." <laughs> yeah, and like really forcefully. I think you know the camera movement. So it almost kind of reminds me of Irreversible in the sense that mm-hmm. the movement moves with the characters in a really weird way. Yeah, it's like it dollies with them in a way that almost makes their surrounding look surreal at certain moments. Yeah. Because especially whenever Grey would, like, jump back up as the robot, or not robot, but, you know, the AI or whatever was taking over his body, the stem. Yeah, stem. And he would just jump back up really quick, almost like he wasn't jumping, but just pivoting on the back of his feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the camera would follow, like, his upper body or whatever, and it just felt really weird. But I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think it felt the most pronounced to me in these scenes where it would like directly follow behind him or directly like be pulling in front of him to where it just kind of had this thing where like where every step you kind of saw it like sway, but it's almost like it swayed in the opposite direction of his foot. So it just gave it this really crazy sensation where I, I think it was one of those things where they wanted the movement of the camera to make you feel as kind of out of it as he must feel being controlled by something else in his own body it's like it just doesn't look or feel natural yeah 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 it's really interesting yeah i love stuff like that and it's just it ended up making the movie have a really fun um kind of i mean i guess dollying is what you'd call it but it had a lot of really fun framing and playing with the way that you feel when they choose certain camera angles of course they still had plenty of standard camera angles you know for move for cinema and just being like oh we're going to pull off and kind of give you a wide shot showing him doing something but when it wanted you to be part of the action it was like all right you're part of the action yeah 
And Invisible Man did that as well. And like there, were, I think there was really only like two scenes like that in that movie. Chris, does that sound about right? I know the hospital scene. That's like the main yeah. one. Yeah, and I that, guess like in the house. Yeah, I think it had some of the same camera movements and stuff. But yeah, that hospital scene was like what put that movie over the edge for me from being an okay movie to a really good movie. <laughs> like that <laughs> sure, scene alone. If you say so. Hospital scene, huh? Does it rival um, Countdown? No, Countdown's better. <laughs> I say that with not a not a hint of irony in my voice. No. The Invisible Man's a really good movie. <laughs> it's it's not. But anyways, okay. <laughs> I heard I heard kind of mixed things about it. I mean, I I did hear a lot of people liking it, but I also heard a lot of people just be like, "Yeah, it's it's a movie." Yeah, it it has some really cool ideas. Yeah, I mean that's what's cool about these types of smaller films that choose to be a little more daring. Because like I mentioned with Venom, you know it, it you look at it, it's like yeah, this movie's different. It's not a comic book character with mass appeal, so they're not like oh well, let's not show Venom like literally ripping the flesh off of someone's bone like he would actually do. Instead, let's just keep it all mostly PG with a little bit of nudges. Right. And you kind of get that idea where it's like here they were they weren't worried about that. They're like, hey, we're just trying something interesting and fun. So we could show cutting a head in half or slicing up a dude's face and all these weird things that they chose to do or <laughs> probably one of the absolute coolest scenes in the whole movie whenever he breaks the dude's arm and like twist it back over and makes his arm gun shoot oh his head God. off. Yeah, that was sick. Oh, the fucking dude. coolest thing. Yeah, I almost wish that the and it kind of got close, but I almost wish the movie or the director would have thought like, you know how fucking cool it would be right now if we just switched the camera to all out first person where it was almost like you're seeing it from behind. Um I never watched the movie even though I really wanted to and now it's just moved on. Wasn't there's hardcore a movie Henry. that's hardcore yeah. Henry. Yeah, if it's you want to wait hardcore Henry good. for just a split second right there and just pull it first person <clears throat> And see that arm in the, you know, speaking yeah. of cyberpunk, an almost cyberpunk like first person view, just bending back and then bow. That would have been awesome. Yeah, Agreed. Hardcore Henry is good. You should check it out. It's a fun movie. It's yeah, great. I definitely want to watch it. I, I remember when it first came out, I was like, I have no at all expectations for this movie to be like a legitimately good movie. I think it's just, hey, would it be cool if we took the Doom first person scene and just made a whole movie out of it? <laughs> yeah. The gimmick yeah. wears a bit thin like three quarters of the way through sure but it's still it's a decent movie it's worth a watch yeah. anyways i think it's one of those things where i think even this movie it's why it chooses not to constantly have itself in that extreme focus on gray and yeah. technically in those moments really the focus while it may be on gray's body is really stem you're focusing on what stem's doing it's even this movie realizes that there are certain things that just don't play out very well in that type of framing sometimes you need more traditional framing to be able to really adequately sell something yeah so one of the interesting things about this movie is like how close it is to our reality now but also how like far away it is with like the talking house and like car and stuff as Mm, like smart house 1999 yeah oh shit the disney movie that's fucking funny but so like I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that, I guess. But, you know, would, do you think that, too? Like, whether you were watching it, did you think that as well? With, like, you know, we have Alexa now, and you can buy those, like, devices that stick to your walls throughout your house or whatever. No. The only scene that I thought was kind of mirrored reality was the car stuff. 
especially when she was, when they started like getting ready to have sex in the car. I'm like, that's definitely happened in a Tesla. But <laughs> <laughs> that was really about it. I mean, I, I kind of get what you're what you're getting at, Blake. Yeah, I for mean, sure. That's kind of also that's kind of the telltale point of like cyberpunk is to still maintain a sense of what you're used to in our common time and then also try and go like oh, okay but what if you also made it futuristic that's kind of why typically cyberpunk iconography and like different design language has a very 80s and 90s retro feel to it but sure. in a way that feels like it's futurized it's just kind of like oh that was when that was established this movie kind of takes more of a what if we took the 2000s and then left you in a sense where you're seeing like the 2010s but then we still try and futurize it a little bit. And I mean, it, it works. It's kind of like what iRobot did, you know, where it's like, yeah. oh, you have all this stuff, but then you also have to have these moments where you see like familiar looking buildings uh, juxtaposed against these crazy looking, you know, kill zone shadow fall buildings that are right. set up in the beginning. Like, what is this future Dubai? But it's just kind of the way that those movies play out. But I like that. That's what makes those kind of things fun because you're talking about wanting to talk about cyberpunk the game. That's part of its thing too is like, oh, you're going to see really crazy, interesting buildings, but then you're going to go to what just looks like a normal suburb because that's still – and normally the normal suburb becomes like the rundown area because that's not the futuristic part anymore and all these nice houses are now just relegated for people without the money to live in these crazy things. So, I mean, I get you. I, I feel you. Yeah, I don't know. I just always, like, whenever the movie starts or whatever, and she's, like, talking to the house, I just always feel like we're kind of there, like, to an extent. It's not near as in-depth and near as, like, personal, but... I mean, yeah, kind of, but then again, I like that it showed the the computer's inability to know certain things. Like, it was like, yeah. uh, will Asha be joining us for dinner tonight? It's like, I'm fucking paralyzed. <laughs> and she's dead. So she's clearly <laughs> not here. What, what What do you think has happened? <laughs> <laughs> I did. The funny part was, I can't remember which one y'all said it a few minutes ago, but how it's, I think it was you, Brett, how it's still like in the current day. And he's like, it starts out with him working on the old car, right? Yeah. And he's talking to it or whatever. And I love the line when he's talking to his wife and, um, He's like, I can hear you talking to your car. She's like, at least mine can talk back. Yeah, yeah. I just like that shit. That's pretty funny. Well, and see, that's the that's the thing is it, it reminds me so much of things like iRobot because that's that's the idea. You have somebody who's supposed to like the way things were and wants to hold on to the way that humans are and fear to a degree what happens when robots become more and more average day items and more and more they take over your ability to work and your ability to drive yourself and then you see that kind of play out with oh the car suddenly loses control and you can't get it to stop and all of this happens all because of robots and you yeah. know i mean that's i think that cyberpunk stories and things like these are always good because of the cautionary tales that they do to serve humans to remember like you know there are some sacred really great things about being human and all the imperfections that come along with that. Yeah. I do want the um the cooking like arms like built into his cabinet or whatever. To like <laughs> make him food and smoothies and shit. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Just come home. Hey bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my Assuming, strawberry smoothie? <laughs> honestly, I'm telling you, I'm too polite. Even when I'm talking to my Google uh, home occasionally. I don't I only have one. Um 
But in the morning when I wake up, just to kind of know what I need to do, I'll be like, hey, Google, what's the weather? And then they'll go through it. And I'll be like, hey, Google, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I say thank you and please all the time. Until like Siri is like, I don't know the answer to that. I'm like, so fuck off, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a question as well. It's a either or thing. Yeah. Would you rather have the gun in your arm or the killer sneeze? Oh, gun in my arm for sure. Killer sneeze gun sounds in- scary. That's true. But at the same time, uh, did, one I guess, thing I, going sorry. through that, I mean, uh, they're both interesting, but isn't it so much cooler to be like, look at this fucking, like, you know, gun it brings like the check out my guns to like full circle. I mean, that's yeah. legitimately <laughs> checking out your guns. But also, I was so disappointed that they decided to introduce that idea in and then it's really not unless I just missed it. It's not used at all again in the in the entire movie. With the sneeze? Yeah, was it only was? Now I might have missed it. Now I looked down for something. Did he end up sneezing during the fight with Gray? No, he no. mentioned it though. He's like, I could kill you with a sneeze. Ah, okay. Well, at least I tried to do that. I thought it was such an and the fact that it kind of looked like little scythes. I was like, yeah, yeah this is a little cheesy. It was it's like dope. cheesy. I mean, it, the idea is cool, but I guess it was one of those things where, like, the CGI failed to capture what I thought would have been probably a cooler representation of that. Sure. Yeah, maybe so. I um, I think I'd want the sneeze, though. I guess, so you said it could be scary, and I, th- I agree. So I wonder if it's, like, every time you sneeze it happens, or do you, like, think about it and it turns it on? Because he didn't, yeah, like, yeah. tap his nose to, like, turn it on or something weird, you know what I mean? Yeah, oh, he, like, obviously fake sneeze, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he says in the fight, I could kill you with a breath, not kill you with a sneeze. So he does say breath, okay. Yeah, so just, and the only reason I point that out is because maybe it's just if he chooses to breathe a certain decibel or whatever, like all the little praying mantis (laughs) boogers come out of his mouth. (laughs) All the Grim Reaper boogers. The gun would definitely be cooler, but the sneeze would be like, I mean, you could get away with like anything. You could kill anybody. Was, Nobody would know. I suppose. But then, like, you know, you and your wife making sweet love. You're telling mm-hmm. her how much you love her. You kind of, <laughs> you, you're just sitting there going. Your cat runs by and its pet dander gets in your nose and suddenly <laughs> you kill your wife. Exactly. That is would that be really, my big worry about it is just accidentally killing someone because I sneezed. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Okay. All right. The gun looks cooler <laughs> with, like, the yeah. holes in the hand and then the the inner Dude, elbow or whatever i don't know seeing him actually like load a bullet into like you know where his like bicep is i don't it, like actually thinking about it i was like oh that seems so uncomfortable it seems fucking weird why would yeah. you want that there <laughs> i will say that's the only cheesy part of the movie to me is when he cocks his gun but like <laughs> moving his arm yeah and like <laughs> slugging it down yeah there's there's times where i'm like i know what this movie's trying to do here but uh, it's just not working see the, the funny part is there's an anime i just finished watching recently that has a guy with a gun in his hand that probably does the same thing it, it, no it, they definitely pull it off a little bit better they pull it off a little bit better the way they explain it but like it looks a lot cooler in the anime too so like this one i was watching i'm like oh you're doing the same thing but this looks <laughs> so much dumber where he's like kamehamehaing bullets out of his hands <laughs> <laughs> well every bit of that anime yeah, look cooler and still that's what i was about to say that's inside w- the anime 
See, and that's yeah. why we talk about the wonders of animation, Blake. Um, Blake, yeah, yeah. But uh, but to be fair, you could have done it the same way in this movie. Like it's literally just he points his fingers in a gun and then pulls down his thumb and it shoots a bullet out of his finger. So yeah. like you could have definitely done it the exact same. Yeah. But then you're limited on the caliber of bullets because if you're if you have tiny fingers, you got to oh, use tiny bullets. Bro, you <laughs> think I got tiny good fingers? Aim. It's not the size of the gun. It's the motion of the bullet. Exactly. (laughs) So just continuing to speak about the futuristic tech, and this is not futuristic tech, the VR, and the people that are like for weeks in VR, that's got to be like terrible, right? (laughs) I mean, if it's PSVR, it's awful. But if it's good VR, you know, Just being in VR for like a month sounds like the worst fucking time ever it's one of those things though where it's like how because you got to imagine and i think the movie kind of implies it's 2046 so you got to imagine by that time the vr tech is so good that like you feel like you're walking through the beaches of italy or whatever it is you're doing you know well, and yeah, I kind of so. like to imagine the setup of the movie to where, like, we saw that, depending on the time, and this is probably true today, I mean, it's just the reality of any given time, there's consumer-grade product, and then there's, like, fuck-you-money product. Yeah. And in this world, you know, we're still seeing them do something that approximates, like, the Oculus Quest or something like that. And then we see this guy be able to shove something out of his finger into another guy's eye and then just see everything that happens so it's like depending on where you're at in this world if you're the guy who could just shove your eye into something experience someone else's memories and go through all that then you could have a fucking blasted vr for a month you know if that's Mm. basically what you want to call vr but you know depending on what they're doing we have to assume this cheaper grade version of it is still probably better than what we have now (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's I think the thing that got me there is I always like seeing the idea that the ideas that people have of like, well, what's a big thing right now that people actually worry about? And that's a thing that's been worried about since VR has been talked about as like a serious thing. And that's why you have anime like, um, how am I forgetting sword the sword art online? Yeah. Where the whole point is like, Oh, you're jacking in. And then, Oh, suddenly you can't get out. What does that look like? And then in this, you seeing these people who've been doing it for so long, that they're hooked up to like, fluid and shit so they can actually live while they're doing (laughs) this it's such a crazy look but it also really plays into the whole cyberpunk aesthetic in a cool way where i'm like ah just seeing this weird creepy lady like dance in vr in this really weird way in like a super out of focus way while um jamie or not jamie i guess the the hacker formerly known as jamie yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but that was like i was just watching it back there I was like this just seems right for this movie and like what the area that they're setting up where you're just seeing this random person who's probably been dancing like this in vr for well over 48 hours and you know they ripped the head headset off of a couple of them when they like walked in yeah i wonder if that's like waking up a sleepwalker if you've been in there for so long Oh, yeah, probably. You just rip it off. It's like, oh, God, where the fuck am I? (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be terrifying. (laughs) I just, I know this is so dumb, but I would have loved to see them take that opportunity to have like a couple of like weird cameo people way far in the background of shots. And actually, it would even make sense to this world, kind of like Cyberpunk the game does, where you're looking at it and being like, oh, people in VR could be doing things like 
how you know blowing somebody or eating somebody out or getting blown it's like it would have been really funny to just have like some kind of ridiculous looking stances in the background like you see somebody who looks like he's just like going at it <laughs> just because it's like why not you know as everyone knows vr's biggest promise for most people whether they want to admit it or not was like but what can it do in porn <laughs> yeah porn which has ruined world, porn man. searches because then you just see these weird VR porns, and it's like on my phone, this doesn't look good. <laughs> it's all fish-eyed, and weird the ovals. woman is fucking eight hundred feet tall. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought up the poking the eye, like seeing the memories thing. Um, I can't believe I forgot about that for a second. But that could be the third option. Would you rather have that than the gun in the arm? Yes. Yeah, actually. I I mean, it's really creepy, and I can't imagine what it would feel like to have that go into your eye. Yeah. But, I mean, that guy was dying anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be cool to be, like, you know, you know when you talk to someone, and they're like, oh, man, I wanted to tell you this, but I completely, like, I can't really remember exactly what happened, you know? Yeah. Uh And you're just like, oh, well, let me tell you what happened, and then they fucking stab your eye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was like a cool hidden benefit of STEM, too, when he's like going through the first guy, Stank, as we will now call him forever, uh, <laughs> when he's going through Stank's house, and STEM is like, I suggest that you remove your fingerprints from everything. Yeah. He's like, I don't remember everywhere I've been. He's like, I have a log of exactly where you've been. <laughs> I know everything you've ever touched. <laughs> so I also thought, don't you think this super smart thing that's doing this would think, if you're gonna, it's going to tell you where all your things were, wouldn't it tell you you might have left a booth? booth print uh boot print outside of the house that's the question did stem do that on purpose purpose da, da, da. Bum, ba, da, dum, bum, bum. it is you know did y'all think ever throughout that maybe stem was on the like the wrong side or then maybe the doctor or not the doctor but like the uh the kid whatever his name was so what do you mean? Like, do you, did, did we think that STEM was responsible for it at any given time? Either STEM or, you know, there was a couple of times where I was like, the first time watching it, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. Because the, the um, I'm trying to think of his fucking name, Aaron. Aaron? Aaron. The, um, Aaron I felt Key. like he Aragorn. was in on it. You know what I mean? Mm? Yeah. And so then I never thought STEM was, though. I didn't think that necessarily he was in on it. But I was definitely suspicious. I was suspicious of both of them because to me, I was like, why would he give this potentially world-changing tech to this random mechanic? Right. You know? Because the movie never implies that they're friends. But then he did the stuff where like, oh, I'm tracking you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But the part where I was like, oh, STEM is a little sus was when they go to the hacker and he tells him to take the input out or whatever. So he does that. And then um, later on in the movie, you're like, Sam's like, nah, I've got full control now. And you're like, oh, okay. That's oh, a little not great. <laughs> yeah. So to answer kind of your question, going back to it, this is actually w- what my exact notes were. Because as I was watching the movie pretty early on, I my, my first note was, I think that I know what's happening. This twist could be predictable. Then, when the movie kind of drip feeds you the first thing, when you uh, you see Fisk fighting, and he's it's like, oh, you were the you were the hit. I was like, okay, I was right. It's Aaron. Aaron's the one behind this whole thing. And then 
I so I finished my note. The twist was predictable for me, but still fun. I expected it to be Aaron looking to find an early candidate to test this out pretty early, and it was. And then I had to come back and put surprise. The actual twist got me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like, I, I agree with Chris in that there are things that were sus about the idea of STEM, but. It, it, it wasn't like whenever it was revealed to be STEM, it just like, whoa, what? But it was more like the oh, Aaron shit. thing is what I thought it was. And even when he first walks in and Aaron's <laughs> like, it wasn't me. I yeah. was still like, he's just saying whatever he needs to say to get out of this. And then it started clicking like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold so, on a second. I think the movie, and that's kind of the thing. I think that the ending and the way that they actually played all that off, I think is what makes me like this movie more than Venom because Venom had a very safe ending because it's trying to do something more after. This movie was like, well, this is a single movie. We're just going to go all out and make what we want to make. And it's a way more interesting ending because of it. And it's not like it's the most life-changing thing, but it was cool to see them do something that you didn't expect. Or yeah. at least that I didn't expect from the beginning of the movie. And I'm normally pretty good about sniffing out what's going to happen in a movie. And that's why as soon as I saw Aaron and how creepy he was and the way he reacted to the uh, wife and then the way he talked about the tech and what it could do, I was like, this dude is just, he's weird. He's trying to, he's going to want to try and use this on someone yeah. ahead of time. And then when all that started happening, like, yep, here we go. So <laughs> would you have gotten STEM put in you if you were like a quadriplegic? absolutely i think it's hard to say no you know what i mean yeah i i and i don't even mean that from anything like i it's just it, it, of course it depends on why you're a quadriplegic <laughs> I mean, hell, if big, i was born that way i would still probably do it yeah but it's a big part of it i mean you know if, it's just <laughs> kind of how it is so you have that part where it's like well I'm, you know, it's real easy to get somebody to get to convince you, like, oh, well, you could avenge her, or you could do this, or would she want you to live, you know, and go on and continue? You could go a lot of different ways with it, but yeah, I think most people would probably end up saying yes. But I don't know. It's one of those things that since it wasn't being done by official doctors, that it kind of makes you like, would people be more like, I don't know, this could be that like Mexican chop doc who ends up giving me like cancer through weird breast implants you know what i mean yeah i think the difference there is that like this guy's supposedly like one of the smartest dudes out yeah but yeah. the only difference there is like technology and whether you're smart or not has issues yeah and like if you're the first one like what if the issue is like oh you die immediately because this ai like gets you know because that's the Takes issue over I your was, brain <laughs> yeah well that too but like you know they've tested ai with like killing cancer cells or whatever yeah and it's been like, oh, the AI just killed the host to kill the cancer. Because that's the easiest yeah. way. And it's like, whoops, that's not going to yeah. work. <laughs> so, like, that would be my fear. Is like, this guy's going to get inside and just fucking kill me. <laughs> or some <laughs> shit. I don't know. So, this is a question about kind of how that goes. Um, you know, there's this feeling throughout the movie. And he kind of talks about it. You know, He's like, you know, why did you have me kill all these other people? And it's like, well, they were also upgraded, but they were inferior. They weren't perfect yet. You know, they were too fused with other things. And I kind of got the vibe that, in a sense, this wasn't necessarily the first take on STEM. Rather, this was like the pure take on STEM. And this was STEM wanting to, like, get rid of the inferior versions of what he viewed himself to be becoming. I thought he mentioned too that they were like um, loose ends. 
Yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's all tied to him eventually working towards becoming this and like getting a taste for what it's like to be human, but still knowing that these bodies were already heavily augmented and he wanted something gotcha. more. You know, I mean, I, that's what I took from it. It doesn't mean that that's right, and I could have misinterpreted something or misheard something. No, but that's I mean, just kind of what it felt like to me. Is like, oh, okay, you got to get rid of this imperfect version of myself so that I can grow and become the one and only. I thought it was cool and even like the motivation of like wanting to join into a human who valued what it was like to be human yeah again it's a common thing for that type of story to kind of have the character who doesn't want things to change and stays pure to themselves because of that but it's I thought it was somewhat interesting to turn it to where that was like the reasoning for why this AI decided that was who it wanted to test things out on yeah, yeah. I, I thought the reasoning was good. Yeah, that makes sense to me as well. Um, I want to talk about that last scene where we find out the big revelation, but I do want to jump back one more time to the second fight scene in the bathroom of the bar. <laughs> yeah. And how much like different not only um, the fight was, but like his facial reactions and the way he was acting during it, and like yep. way more cocky. And even Stim said at one point, he's like, while I am state-of-the-art, I am not a ninja. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. But that whole, like, just the difference in the two fight scenes, like, there wasn't a big lead-up or anything. It was just like, oh, I've done this once, and I survived, and I was badass, so I guess I can never die. You know what I mean? Because I'm so fast or, you know, a ninja, like you said. <laughs> but I just thought that was very interesting, the way it's so different. Well, and it was also interesting to see this character turn a dime. Like this character who was like, I'd rather drive myself. I'd rather make a pizza than I think she said print a pizza. Is that what she said? Yeah, yeah she said print a pizza. Three D. That's printer. what I thought. And that is a thing that the people are looking at is like using uh, you know uh, organic material to print food. Um, and you get into this thing where it's like it was cool to see that as a character. And it was really interesting to see once he got a taste of the power of what stem could do for him it's like how cocky and reliant on the like the tech he became yeah agreed yeah the the whole thing with him like not really fighting stem but working like like giving control over to him more and more you know it started with like drawing the tattoo in the beginning which was a really cool thing like when he was going back and forth super quick or whatever but dude it is crazy I'm just because I know that Chris knows it is crazy how well that parallels with Cyberpunk 2077 yeah. story. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it impeccably close in a lot of ways. I don't think that that at all spoils anything. It's just really an interesting take. I, I think whenever you go to play the game, finally, I think you've mentioned that you're going to try it. Yeah, probably. I think later, you'll you'll find yourself surprised at. You know, I mean, of course, this is just an idea that makes sense with cyberpunk, even things like altered carbon of, you know, what it means to kind of live and all that stuff. And that's always a question in these things. But it it really surprised me how close they were in a cool way. Um, I don't want to detract us too much, but I noticed that for all the talk about great value, Tom Hardy. No one mentioned that Fisk, who is the the main you know bad guy who ends up yeah. kind of, well, I, I said the main bad guy, but the bad guy who ends up being hired to do all this and ends up shooting Asha, um, the murderer. The the entire time I was watching him, perfectly fine actor, perfectly fine villain, but I kept 
getting this vibe of like he makes me think of Kip from Napoleon Dynamite and Littlefinger from Game of Thrones just smashed together. <laughs> I'm trying to think. And every bit was. of me seeing him talking and and the way he looked, I was like, "What is this?" And I, that's why I, part of what I was talking about, I was poking <laughs> fun the entire time I was watching this movie. Yeah, I had to look up who Kip was because I haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite in a long time. Yeah, and I'm but so do you bad get what names. I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. look up that, yeah, and then look up Littlefinger's actor, which is like what Adrian Gillen, Gillen, something like yep. that. Um, and they, it, he looks like this mix between the two to me. I don't know why. <laughs> Holy shit! I see it. I think it's the mustache. Yeah, it's like they bought all the actors with coupons. <laughs> I kind of did get that feeling. I was like, well, this is weird, but I mean, <laughs> that's cool. Also, because I know we're getting to the point of like the real point of the, of like the real crazy meat of the movie at the end when a lot of stuff happens. Did anybody else kind of have that hope in their mind that like whenever the guy was like, we need to call, we need, I need a phone that he was going to call the cops and that whenever uh, Gray ended up leaving his wheelchair behind and that homeless guy who called him a faker or whatever <laughs> ended up standing yeah. up and then getting in his chair. I was like, it would be so funny if they end up arresting that guy because he's in the chair and the description they give is it's a guy who's in a real high tech chair. Yeah. I don't know why dude in a chair gotta be him <laughs> yeah like what happened this guy just came in here and messed these people up in here <laughs> white guy chair you know can't be wrong all the evidence yeah yeah this- I don't know why that was just a subplot in my mind that was like I know the movie doesn't need this at all but <laughs> it just would have cracked me up if she walks in she was like oh um you know we thought that you were at another crime scene it turns out that someone had stolen your chair <laughs> <laughs> and, and murdered this guy in the bathroom <laughs> yeah that i just love the fight scenes i don't know they're just like we talked about earlier i mean just the way they're shot like i just yeah. can't get over them incredibly fun movie in that regard and just also i think the way it tried treating uh, treating its basic story it's like it was serious enough to be interesting and like into it but at the same time like i said just like Venom, it's kind of like, oh, it's just kind of lighthearted at the same time to a extent where you can have fun watching it. But then all that fun actually comes to a point where it's like, oh, God, this is actually kind of crazy. So I yeah. guess now, Blake, is it time to talk about everything that actually happens at the end? Because uh, there's a lot of cool ideas that happen there, I think. Yeah, so the whole end scene from basically like the moment he walks into Aaron's house is mm-hmm. just like absolutely insane and it's one of like my favorite endings in a movie that i've seen in quite a while at least the first time i saw it so and this time too but i mean i've seen some stuff like movies since then or whatever but so just like we said earlier finding out that stem was really behind it and had like planned it all it's not exactly like oh my god there's never been a story like this before (laughs) or anything ridiculous like that but it's still like like we said like none of us had thought about it and brett you're really good at sniffing out that kind of stuff and i'm pretty good at it as well so is chris like we talked about in numerous movies that we've you know one or two of us if not all of us have figured it out a little beforehand Mm -hmm. yeah but and a lot of it's about the journey you know it's not and and if you can still tell a great story that i predict but it is cool when a movie kind of pulls one over on you you're like ah you set it up this way 
and then everything starts to kind of click. I thought that was really great, kind of. And then how they even gave that quick little flashback of like all the little hints of like, yeah, he's, he's looking at this camera feed, which is very blurry, and he's able to completely give you the exact printout of this guy's wrist marking. That doesn't yeah. really add up, you know? At the time, you're just kind of buying into it. Like, well, he's, he's advanced tech. He's smart. But dude. then you start thinking about it, you're like, <laughs> he just knows who it is. Right. Yeah, it's it's little things like that looking back on it that like you said it just kind of is like oh that does make sense and the second time watching it you know you start seeing that stuff more so as you watch but yeah you know like little like little things like showing you know stem when he gets picked up and in the presence of stem who we are aware at this point can hear all this is like he's specifically hearing gray be like well there's some things that humans just do better and it's like ah You've nailed down your perfect <laughs> candidate. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I too liked the I think some one of my one of my favorite parts of the movie is just him fighting Stim, like at the end, and it's just mm-hmm. it's obviously not a fight because Stim is like also him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just trying to like move the gun away or trying to move his hand away or stabbing himself into the table. Mm-hmm. It's just all these different things of like they were really interesting and neat and just like that, edge of your seat to watch really for me at least that didn't cross my mind. I guess that's what or at least that's what you got out of it. I kept being like, well, why did he stab himself? But I guess the idea was that he was stabbing himself to try and keep his hand in the table. Yeah, he was like, trying to pin. You're not going to be able to move. You're going to pin down. It just I felt like the knife was too short to do that. So when I kept looking at it, I was like, why did he do that? Like. It, it probably was, but also like you don't have many options <laughs> when true. you're in like a big room like that, I guess, with not many weapons. I don't know. I guess if I was him and you had that little brief temporary moment of control you ever break through, wouldn't you be like trying to kill yourself so that you could stop yourself from hurting anybody? Well, he did later, you know. But no, I agree. Like maybe just like stab yourself like in the brainstem. <laughs> well, see, but that's the thing is he 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 didn't later though, did he? He tried I mean, to shoot himself in the head. Uh, I guess he. I, I thought you were talking about the spot where we see him kind of like shoot himself, and then he wakes up, and suddenly he sees Asha there, and it's like, "What did you do with Gray?" And it's like, "Oh, Gray's broke his mind by trying to fight." Like I thought that was cool yeah. too. It's like I've taken him to a place where he wants to be and is happy, and he's oblivious all the more. And um, I thought the movie had a lot of balls, unless I'm misunderstanding something, to kind of end in this sense of like gray is just trapped in his own mind and there's almost this like look on his face when he's kissing asha it kind of reminds me of prisoners where it's like you have this feeling that he's aware that this isn't real but he's kind of like fighting with himself over over whether he wants to stay there and just live with her and his memories and mine or if he wants to you know actually break out and try and find a way to reestablish uh dominance over stem but the movie doesn't really go one way or the other it just leaves it up to you to be like well what happens next it's you decide yeah, yeah i really like that as well the um the one thing too we mentioned how he moves robotically but when stem fully took over he walks like fucking terminator from like yes. terminator <laughs> 1 yeah <laughs> like super like stiff and robotic and like his facial expressions it's like you didn't realize how nuanced every single stage of those performances were yeah they did a really good job with kind of choreographing the motion behind selling well this is full human this is human with some robot assistance this is robot controlling a human body but still in a way that 
you know, kind of looks unnatural but human-like. And then, no, this is full-on robot with zero autonomy from the human. Right. It's it, him, walk, like, turning and just walking. And I was just like, oh, God. Just gives you the fucking shivers because you know it's, like, a human, but it's not. <laughs> like, it's fucking wild. So this is something that... I was a little surprised too because like, you're talking about how, of course, we've seen other things where we kind of witness AI or uh, androids or artificial intelligence that's brought up end up kind of wanting to break free into the real world. And, like, what does it do to trick things into that? And after, like, when credits started rolling on this movie, I just kind of like sat there for a second and was like, I know why I like the movie so much. It's because I get like such strong basic idea ties to um uh next machina yeah. or ex machina rather and i guess i technically just spoiled ex machina so if you want to <laughs> cut that or if just you think that's vague enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah my but i just i like that really i got movie. a lot of ne- uh, of ex machina vibes from it and that was a cool thing because i really love ex machina i think it's a an expertly crafted movie uh i mean yeah, i do phenomenal. think it's a better movie than this but the fact that this movie was an action movie really with all with some of those same kind of hallmarks and ideas was really cool so chris yeah. yes what was your take on the ending scene and the i guess like switch up the surprise i don't know i guess by that point it wasn't really all that surprising for me uh, i don't know I, I liked the ending scene i thought it was shot really well I don't necessarily think it was like as great an ending as you seem to, but that's okay, you know. Yeah, for sure. Because it was—I don't know—by that point, they had already kind of given away what was gonna happen. So I was kind of like, "Oh well, I, I know it's gonna happen here." You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think it depends um, on who you are, though, right? Because that's the thing: is like you can, depending on the way you want to view this, be like, "Wow, no, they're going to continue to fight and kind of push." Or, or if you're a little bit more of someone who's like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word you'd use, but you could look at it just as well from the idea of like, well, clearly he's not going to get, make it out of this or you can, there's a lot of places you can go. Oh, well he's going to surrender whether he wants to or not, his whole body will be surrendered to stem. Then you have like the more optimistic pr- uh, approach where it's like, Oh, he'll fight back and end up shooting stem out. But, but and end up paralyzing himself in the get go. But it's kind of like a, a happy ending with a little bit of a sad tale on it because it's like, well, at least you know he's not being controlled by something else and he saved this cop who was trying to help him. And then you have kind of the middle ground, which is where the movie ended up going, where it's like, oh well, you know, something kind of in between will happen. <laughs> yeah, know? I don't know. I I kind of expect. I was a little surprised to be like, oh wow, okay, he um he won but i was hoping that he would win but at the same time i was kind of like i think this is just over for him i think it was over like five scenes ago you know yeah with jamie or whatever well once yeah exactly yeah i mean i think it technically ended for him like when he got stim put in him because like after that i mean there's no fucking way out of it like without exactly. killing yourself or something. I mean, I suppose, but I guess the Jamie thing is the real moment where it's like, well, you've completely broken all measures that were in place for you to be able to control this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, locked. What? What was it? What? What was the exact terminology? Like shut down barriers or whatever it was. Input yeah, something. Input something like that. It was input. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was <clears throat> closed input barriers or some crap. Whatever it was. Um, 
I think the only thing that kind of got me about the movie that could be viewed as uh, something they didn't quite explain off well enough is why Aaron felt that he was no longer over the company and instead that stem was and that there was no way for him to say no because there's there the movie kind of sows this little idea of like he still had enough control to be able to shut this thing down remotely which means that he still always had a position of power so what was it that stem did that made him go oh yeah i'm gonna go ahead and kill this guy's girlfriend and him and he's like i didn't do it i just did what stem asked me to do well turn it off (laughs) i want to know more of his motivation behind that because you can tell me more and be like well i did what stem wanted me to do because in my curiosity as a scientist and someone who really is disconnected from the outside world you know i i want i thought stem's idea was a good way for us to be able to trial this out and go or you could be like, well, I did it because Stem had gotten so smart and gotten to where he was able to um, remotely have access to Fisk and these group of people. And if I didn't listen to him, he would threaten my life. It, there was a lot of things they could have done. I guess it's more that there's implied. You can try and figure out why he felt threatened to the degree that he felt he needed to do these things. But it does kind of make it a little harder since it doesn't go about doing that to just outright be like, okay so why does he act like he has control and why is the robot trying so hard to get this hacker to break free and convince uh gray that he needs to be broken free to be able to kind of carry these actions out it's not necessarily a plot hole so much as it's kind of like what we talked about with um the denzel washington movie i'm, I'm failing on name is it uh, american gangster is that what it was oh, called yeah yeah where it's like show don't tell or show don't tell or just actually in general just show me like give me a little bit more so i can understand character motivations and see these things happen out because i feel like the one part of this movie is that aaron is a very weak character because you don't you're not given enough time to understand why he's doing the things he's doing and you kind of just get a flat like oh he's just a guy who wanted to do this for science sake and then suddenly it's a flip of oh well he just couldn't say no because this tech but why it doesn't feel like it was fleshed out well enough and it does when you start to think more about it kind of bring the movie down a hair but you know i don't know i think they did a good enough job with aaron of making me be like of i guess more like playing off of what i expect from rich nerds you know of just incredibly <laughs> antisocial and has no idea how to handle people sure. so like none of the stuff that aaron was doing i was like oh that doesn't fit it's like oh no this makes sense he's a douchebag because he doesn't know how to handle regular people you know right yeah like i said i think the movie gives you room to imply those things and at least that exists i'd hate if it felt like the <clears throat> suddenly it just happened but they didn't build up enough of a character for you to even be like well that's probably why he was doing this thing sure yeah so you're, you're right i mean it's it's balanced enough to where you don't feel like well that's just a completely missed opportunity it's just more like oh, i wonder what they could have done and if they could have made me feel a little stronger about aaron's character I know that he ends up just being a vehicle for STEM, and that's really what his purpose is. But yeah, so he has a body. Yeah. So if Aaron does die, like, is STEM only in that chip? Do you think if like Aaron took back over, or even if like Aaron walked out and was like shot by the cops or something, do you think that that's just the end for STEM? Like, how does he go from one body to the next when that body dies? Or is he just kind of out of luck because Aaron's also dead? 
Yeah, I was about to say, I thought you were approaching this from thinking that Aaron wasn't dead. <laughs> well, I think but it. I, I think it doesn't matter because I would imagine unless they destroy Stem, he controls the body no matter what because he doesn't need Gray's brain to control yeah, anything. I guess that's you know, true. I mean, he would, over time he would still decay though, regardless. Yeah, because, and I mean, I know that sounds Pretty crazy, too, but as a human. that that could actually be an interesting follow-up idea to kind of see through of, like, what happens when a, a AI that wants to be human and kind of do that merge, like, what happens when it actually becomes flesh and then has to deal with the limitations of flesh? Yeah, yeah. but you're also forgetting the fact that this is a cyberpunk movie, so he can go and modify his entire self. So at a, at a certain point, he would he could just become basically a robot. A robot you know? Yeah, though I thought that the whole point of it, the whole idea, which I mean, there's room for it to be more, but it felt like the whole point of it being gray was specifically because it was about like becoming human through what makes someone actually human and not and his failed attempts at being part human, part machine and that it was more about being like Oh, I you know we're having a singular controlled body with no further modifications that lets you have like a pure synchronization to the body. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's maybe the way I was taking it. It could just mean that one of the words that he uses in the movie is specifically the term evolution. So maybe it's just that he needed the pure human body to do to evolve the way he felt needed. And now that he's reached that evolution in this new body, yeah. he can suddenly start to augment himself and it no longer has the negative effects that he saw when trying to evolve through already modified humans. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is he can do... I, I, I took that more as like he wanted to... He wanted to have his own body and the other bodies already have tech taking them over. Not taking them over, but being used and being a part of the body. So the fact that Gray has no tech at all, he's basically a blank canvas for him to use and make his sure. own choices. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I think both of those to, an, to a degree are spelled out in the movie in my opinion uh, i mean I, I definitely could see how you'd land on one or the other as well but yeah i, I do get that because there is a hint of that where regardless he he's at least enough into the idea of the importance of gray being a pure human that it, it plays some significance but i don't know I, I guess you know whenever you have a movie like this you always have to think about any given movie the way that the world works is that let's say this movie was a smash success broke a billion dollars what do you follow it up with the invisible man (laughs) well i mean that in the sense of like realistically what do you do because most people would expect a sequel at that point and that's what hollywood normally does so let's just for and i'm not saying you have to have a real answer but like just thinking to yourself for even a split second of like how do you follow this up I don't know that there's a way you follow it up exactly in a way that works, but I think that it would at least be interesting to kind of build it up to be like, oh, let's take it that it is canon that in this thing he did want to be a pure human and then we're going to come back and visit him and how he changes and what he tries to do and seeing this AI become more and more human as it comes to grips with the fact that it's going to die with no ability to move into another body. Um, 
depending on how things go. Then again, I mean, you know, you have all sorts of things where it's like, well, maybe he can go into another body, but he has to be able to find another person uh, that's a pure human, which is more rare. So how does he work that out? And how does he try and manipulate that around to where he can find a new host to basically Xehanort this bitch, if you have any kind of knowledge of Kingdom Hearts? (laughs) All right. So I think I've got it. Okay. It is him. And he's like, like I said, he dies. Like, the body dies, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is like an AI Walking Dead movie where his corpse is, like, rotting, but he's still able to walk around. Oh, and he's like just he's going about dead. his normal day, except his, like, skin is falling off and his, like, jaws hanging. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But that shit would be <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> I don't know. I... If you had to ask me what I would want for a sequel, I would I wouldn't want it to follow Gray. I'd just like to see more of the world. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, kind of just go back into that idea. And that's yeah. always a big thing about sequels is this idea that most people expect sequels to have to follow, or, but there is or, always a cool idea to do that. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Or what would be interesting is if Gray is if we go like 5 years and 5 or 10 years in the future and Stem is like the president and it's a <laughs> spy thriller set in the cyberpunk universe of the cop who wasn't killed recovered from her gut shot and is leading an insurgent group of rebels who have to take over the (laughs) U.S. I know that you're kind I'm of joking, it, but this kind of sounds fun, actually. No, I wasn't this. joking until I realized what I was about to say. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, that has implications now. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's not as funny. Because <laughs> I was going to say a bunch of they go and they storm the Capitol. They go take over and get rid of Gray and Stem. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> You can't well, make that movie anymore. <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting too if you kind of Directed bring like an girl. element of they live into it, where it's like they, as the insurgents, are trying to convince more and more people that Gray is not a human; instead, he's just a robot. Well, yeah, that's basically exactly where I would be going. Where he takes over the world and accumulates all this power, and you have a mix of like House of Cards and Jason Bourne with that cop. I think that would be that would be sick. That'd be really interesting. Um, something about the way that you started wording yours, Blake. I didn't know where you were going for sure, but I, I, in my head, I had this really vivid scene to where like he dies, and like they're going to like. I, I'm not even gonna say like he's buried, right? Like he dies, he goes on, he's like in the dirt, and then suddenly you just see Stem's little metal robot feet like break out of his <laughs> neck. <laughs> And you just have like a little, little bug spider. that's like trying to go and attach itself to other people. <laughs> and like, then we expand the world and be like, oh, well, he can somewhat help. Uh, he can somewhat control humans for like a small period of time by like essentially attaching and breaking through the skin and kind of getting a temporary attachment to their, uh, you know, spinal cord or whatever. And he works his way through trying to find a, a new host. But then I also kind of get these ideas of like Full Metal Alchemist where it's like, the idea of getting a uh, getting someone and like t- 
taking children and grooming them so that they don't ever want to augment their body so that you can move into their body through like it's like you essentially start to brainwash them or not even brainwash you can really just indoctrinate them and tell them about like the purity and stuff and you almost have like a cult that he's building up and continues to live through you know generations and generations as he essentially grooms people to become his new vessel I'm into it yeah you could even take that and combine it with my idea where he has created a scholarship program for students who don't oh. get this but in that scholarship program it's basically MK Ultra where he has created more versions of himself that, that he's he broken puts out more into, and more yes oh. that he puts into the children raises all these people so when the rebels attack the capital and try and take him out it's a robot army of stems versus the rebels dude but then the movie just ends the same bleak way that this one does where all of these stems just fucking destroy them and it just continues and then it's and the then cycle continues the third movie <laughs> is near automata <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the more you're talking about it i was like some of these ideas that we're talking about are basically near automata yeah <laughs> oh that's you know what i went from thinking well this movie will probably never have a sequel to being like there's actually a lot they could do with this movie if they decided to make a sequel problem is i don't believe that anyone is in hollywood is as talented as me <laughs> man chris i appreciate your bravado buddy <laughs> and i gotta tell you that me and you have had a number of private conversations and conversations on air of like story ideas and i'm like tim that's actually pretty good yes if only i wasn't procrastinating on everything i've ever wanted to do right hey, see same. but that, this was that's what kind of makes this fun and that's why i wanted to ask you that question because i was like i know that i liked uh, yours is a little more structured than mine typically but i was like i even like to think about what random stuff you could do with a sequel and i thought my ideas were cool but yours are almost approached from a sense of like i've already got a basic idea of backstory and why it's going to do this and what we're going to do there and mine's more like loose concepts of like well he's just trying to groom people to come through and you're like no it's a scholarship <laughs> yeah well i mean because that that's the kind of stuff where that to me would fit with stem of him even if you want to take that one line and this is the thing they have this one line in the movie where gray is like what are you going to do with that roach and yeah, you yeah. kind of give me this idea of the roach stem yeah. splitting off and just becoming more stems and, and then, basically being a pest yeah in, in a way see, and now i've got an idea for the, the the actual ending of the of the trilogy right and it's the other stems gaining their own sense of uh, sentience and joining in with the rebels and fighting some of the stems who have split off from their masters which is again near automata but whatever but splitting <laughs> off from their masters also and Delamain. fighting huh so also delamain yes i love that quest <laughs> yeah great quest <laughs> yeah you gave me some ideas that was fun i like i like that there we go and chris the upside here buddy is that we clearly uh, uh, exist in this world where <laughs> a rising sh a rising tide raises all ships buddy so <laughs> so in other words write my fucking book is that what you're telling me to do? uh well no basically if you see any success <laughs> just remember that this conversation was uh, at least somehow involved and gonna, if you if your boy's not doing too hot you know <laughs> i'll give you a writing credit on my uh my movie 
Yeah. I mean, even if I get like 0.01% commission or whatever you want to call it, royalties, I'll, I'll totally be cool with that if you're if you're so inclined. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I won't forget who you are by then. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, you know, I, I won't have seen you in like five years and I'll be like rolling <laughs> in my cool big Hollywood mansion, but I'll still remember your name, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that guy, Brett, who and Blake, the two guys who have received copies of my book and haven't bothered to read them. Yeah, I should really help them out. <laughs> I guess the upside is, Blake, I get to say here, I've read more of it than you, bitch. Oh! That's true, I guess, Brett. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are. Blake, I think it's time for us to uh, let Chris choose his movie for next week, which we were tantalized a little bit with well, hold before on. we started recording, right? You want to rate it first? All right, Brett, out of five... How many stars do you give it? <laughs> I give it four stem cells. Okay. It's respectable. All right, yeah. Chris. I, I really liked it, but like I said, there's a couple of things I would have liked to see it dig a little bit more into. But yeah, for sure. also, there's a ton of potential for that. Is there a director's cut? I must know. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I just own the one on Vudu, and there's no director's cut on there unless they've added it since I purchased it. Yeah. So, I'm not sure. What about you, Chris? Out of five, how many stars? Um, I don't know. I'm bouncing between a three and a half and a four, but I think I'll just go with a four because that's what I rated it after okay. I watched it on Letterboxd. That's quite a bit higher than I expected, just the way you really? discussed it so far. Well, that's the problem yeah. with this movie. I expected like, like a I two just, and a half or three. Oh really? I just didn't have much to say about it. I thought like it was relatively straightforward, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I was expecting a solid three and a half, so I was pretty close. Yeah, you almost nailed it. Yeah, it's fun to watch, if nothing else. It's very fun, and I think that that's part of why I even gave it a four. Like I did, I do like a lot of it, but it's just mainly I was having a good time the whole time I was watching it. Yeah, that's why I rate it so highly. I'll just go ahead and say it. I would give it a five out of five. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But honestly, I Blake, I expected movie. it from what you were saying, and and I only didn't because as we talked about, I was like, yeah, there's things that they could have done better. But it was really fun. Sure, I don't it think was, it's perfect. It was, but no, yeah, movie like is coming perfect. out of it, I was pretty hyped on it, and I was like, damn, that was cool. That was a fun movie. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> Training Day is perfect. The first time I training, the Doctor Dre is in Training Day, and that he's really fucking bad in that movie. So not bad enough for it to not be perfect. <laughs> But no, I fuck like I don't know like even watching it now. The first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh shit, I gotta watch that again," and I ended up not watching it because I just have so many movies I need to watch that I haven't watched. I yeah. often don't rewatch movies anymore as much as I used to. But watching it again Saturday, like as soon as it was over, I was already like, "All right, I gotta watch that again pretty soon." Yeah, it's fun. Also, Blake says I don't rewatch movies near as much as I used to, and all week long I've seen currently rewatching. Yeah. Hey, yeah. no, uh, uh-uh. uh. All right, you know what? We're going to dive into this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Perfect. So, what is midweek today? matinee this, after hours? The eighteenth. This week I have rewatched Hereditary and Upgrade, and yeah. Beetlejuice, and that's it. <clears throat> so three. Yeah. Out of the seven days of the week. But I have not... These are the movies I have not rewatched. Gangs of New York, Divorce Italian Style, Synchronic, After Hours, Hunted, Cub, Casino, Dog Day Afternoon, Enemy, and... Well, Enemy would have been the week ago. So, yeah. Hey, completely aside from all that, how was Hunted? 
It was like, all right. Qu- qu- would you recommend it? That's all I really want to know. Yeah, it's a fun fairy tale horror movie. Okay. And it's on Shutter. Also, Cub is on Shutter, and that is a really good movie. Okay. All right. Well, Chris, oh. I guess Blake just proved us wrong there with his three days worth of movies for most people being rewatches. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Blake is like, I've only rewatched three movies, but also I watched 18 movies this week. <laughs> yeah, he's talking. I'm like, I don't know that you're making your point. If anything, you're just telling us you watched too many movies this week. Three out of 12 is not a majority, though. That's 12. That's your point. <laughs> I don't know that it's 12. It may have been a little less than 12. I didn't count, but... I've only watched 18 either, movies this year, it. so, like, come on. I mean, that's more than I've watched this year. How many episodes of Midweek Matinee have we done? <laughs> <laughs> that's my exact answer, too. <laughs> I just haven't felt like doing much else. Fair enough. Yeah, it's because you got an Xbox. There's no games. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was, I had a clap back, but I don't want to call nobody out, so let's move on. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, Blake, I'm gonna buy a PS5, guys. Next day, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love it, man. But like, I don't know. I just I get on and I play for like an hour and a half. But I play like six games in that hour and a half, and I don't know. You have the same problem with games that you do with movies. You just fucking sensory overload. Probably, yeah. but you know, I finish the movies I watch nine times out of. 99.9% of the time. Every now and then one is so bad I don't finish it, but unless it's just atrocious, I finish it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Alright, Chris, have you had time to mull it over? I have. I'm still picking, I'm still between, but I think... <laughs> I've, I've mulled it over, but I've also not decided. <laughs> I think we're gonna go with something we haven't come close to in this podcast. Okay. And we're going to we're going to watch some hella gay shit. And we're going to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh fuck yeah. Portrait I'm super of a Lady fucking on into fire. it. Can't wait. Yeah, no. I want I've been I've been to dying to see that better. movie. I'm really disappointed that this wasn't I love you Philip Morris. You should have told me. I don't know why you think I'd pick fuck. that. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> I just that bought That movie is so good. I just bought like five Criterions and I did not buy that one and I really should have bought that one. <laughs> <laughs> you should have. It's good. Because I've been waiting to watch it till I buy the Criterion. Well, I guess you got to order it, my friend, because we're watching it next week. Ah, oh, fucking A. It is uh, <laughs> not streaming. It's available full. I, it's actually streaming on Hulu. I'm wrong, but I own it Yeah, for I, us. I thought it was on Hulu. Um, okay. it, it, it is in French. So, doing Oh, some- we? doing some pretentious shit this week and then we'll watch a japanese movie on my next pick so that's exciting hell yeah nice i love chris never keeps it yeah don't worry guys we keep doing this long enough we're gonna watch i love you philip morris and then we're gonna directly follow with my next pick being the human centipede i mean i'm I'm down i like the human centipede is there correlation in the movie? No, <laughs> no, there's not. absolutely nothing. It's actually a spiritual successor. <laughs> oh, cool. You and McGregor was in that movie. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't tell because his asshole, his That's mouth true. was sh- sewn to someone's asshole. So, you know, it's just. <laughs> he was just really into his co stars in that movie. <laughs> Fuck yeah, though. I'm excited to watch that shit. Me too. I'm glad. Because I. I I don't think I would have ever sat down to watch it 
until I picked it. So I'm just eventually. I'm glad I eventually picked it. I've scrolled. We'll see, to it's it. a drama and a romance. Yeah. I've scrolled to it a few times on Hulu over like the year that it's been out or so, mm. yeah. and been like, I'm gonna watch this. And then it got announced for Criterion. I was like, well, fuck, I'm gonna wait till I buy it. And yeah, I just haven't so. got around to buying that one yet. If you're watching on Hulu and having a hard time finding it, make sure that you go to the hella gay category, and that <laughs> yeah. should be should be the only title to pop up as that is a new category hey, bro, coined by just those two movies. Chris Figs here. It's Blake, is there anything else you wanted to add? Are we good? No, we're good. Go ahead. Okay. All right, guys. Remember, if you want to join us for next week, then you can watch throughout the week Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, that way, you can join us and hear us talk about the movie that critics aka chris are calling hella gay um (laughs) sorry i find that way too funny Uh, if you want to follow us on social media you can find us at matinee underscore midweek over on twitter you can find us on facebook at midweek matinee and also on instagram under the same if you want to follow us individually you can find my man chris over here at figs f-i-g-z 21k on twitter you can find blake at Post underscore Blake underscore nine two, if I'm not mistaken. That's you can find cool. me on my weekly PlayStation podcast Twitter for at Triangle SQRD. If you want to listen to me and Chris this past week uh, discuss uh, gaming together and him be a fill in for my normal co host Saul, you can hop over there and check those out. But of course, we do our uh, <clears throat> spoiler chat series where Chris joins me every time as well. So you can do that. Lastly, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we promise we are always more than thankful for, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. It gets you early access to content like this and spoiler chats. It gets you a shout out at the end of every piece of content that we do. And speaking of that, we'd like to give a shout out to our newest patron, Mr. Mark Schutz. Then we also have Kyle. Mark and Mark. Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Sanderud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Shabib, Jason Clendenning, and Richard Schaefer. Remember, if you want to get early access and just support the show directly, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. Thank you guys so much for all of you who do. And of course, thank you all for your time.